Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. This is your favourite football podcast back once again here on a Wednesday. My name is Jack Collins and I will be your host today. Joining me is our Rank God, Mr Sam Ty. Hello mate. Hello mate, a bit sniffly are we? I believe in a positive outlook and mental attitude, <laughs> so I'm fine. Excellent. You you keep that attitude up and of course our transfer guru getting into the busiest part of his season, Mr. Dean Jones. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How are we? Okay. Yeah, I'm enthusiastic. I'm upbeat. Um, hasn't actually opened yet as I'm recording this, so that's good. But yeah, it, it will is. have by the time that people are listening yeah. to this. So and to be honest, the like, there's actually been transfers happening already. I'm not, not sure how, but um, yeah, there's um, there's a lot to be excited about. It's going to be a good summer. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, absolutely. Lots of transfer news to get through. We're going to be keeping you up to date across that um, throughout the summer here on Ranks FC and, of course, on our Ranks FC Ultras uh, on Patreon, uh, where we have two extra episodes a week. Tomorrow, Dean and I are going to be dropping a first transfer spotlight of the season, which is pretty exciting. Um, and that is going to become a regular feature before football returns to us. But before we get on to our main ranking today, it's time for things we love. And Sam, you're going to start yeah, uh, good segue really from Dean there, uh, intentional or not, because early transfer business is the thing that I love this week. <laughs> a club that can get their ducks in a row fast is a club that I can respect. And I, I don't mean January pre-contract deals. Obviously, you can be smart there. And we saw Nicholas Sula go to Dortmund in January uh, ahead of ahead of the summer and Randall Kolomwani to Eintracht Frankfurt. You know, it's often German clubs, isn't it? They're often very, very organized here. I don't talk, I'm not talking about these deals. I'm talking about when the season ends or when it's just about to end in April and May, clubs who are proactive in getting their players. So we've seen Erling Haaland confirmed as a City player, subject to a medical. Uh, Karameda Yemi, Nico Schlotterbeck, Sally Urshan to Dortmund. Brendan Aronson to Leeds. Villa have signed three. Bubakar Kamara, Philip Coutinho and Diego Carlos. masraoui has gone to Bayern. Jeremiah St. Just has gone to Sporting. And there's loads more. You know, the list is too long. I'm not saying I love all of these individual deals. I just love the fact that the clubs have gone, okay, these are the players we want. Let's go and get it done. It's, you know, as I sit here today, it's not even June, right? It's May 31 on this recording and all of these transfers have been confirmed. Assertiveness is always an impressive trait in the market and particularly so given we have an unusually early start to next season that we are about to hear. I don't know if all of the clubs in world football have realised just how early this season is going to swing round because of the World Cup. Yeah, I, I think this is it, isn't it? It's the the fact that we're looking at end of July, start of August to kick things off again is just pretty mad um and look the the wind there's always late deals in the window right that's the whole fun of transfer deadline day i mean fun is probably a, a term loose um there in terming on whether you love it or hate it um but there is definitely some sort of drama attached to the idea of deadline day but it is kind of telling that those who get their business done early have those players in for preseason given the full preseason getting used to the club used to their new teammates getting them settled into the squad tend to hit the ground slightly faster than those who don't. And it's one of those, that if you can get it done early, it does feel like a massive advantage. Agreed. I, I think there's a good example here of Crystal Palace last summer. Remember last summer when we were like, oh my God, what are Palace going to do? Half their squad's leaving. They've got a new manager going from Hodgson to Vieira, completely different style. Now, they surprised us in many, many ways. But one of the things and one of the keys behind their quick start and therefore a good season, was they got a lot of those players in nice and early. They decided on their strategy in April and May. And then by the end of June, they had a series of young players coming in and changing the way they were operating. So Palace are a really good recent example of how just being assertive and just knowing exactly what you want and getting it done early can be so conducive to a good start. And a good start can be so conducive to a good season. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Right, Steen, what's your thing we love? And my thing is that Nottingham Forest were promoted. Um, I was hoping for this in the final two months of the championship season as they kind of like creeps up on everybody. You know, Cooper came in there and 
Um, they looked like they were fighting relegation and they what they were at first, but um, he quickly turned it around. And, you know, Forrest, uh, a club with a proper Premier League heritage, they were there when it was formed and relegated in 1999 and just couldn't find a way back. And for those fans, like, it's been agonising, like the way, and you've seen, if you look at the celebrations in the streets of Nottingham, like after they announced their return after 23 years away from the Premier League. Like, it was packed. It was carnage. It wasn't far off, to be honest, the scenes that we see when Liverpool have success. Like, that's this is a massive club. It helps it's the same colour. Yeah, it's red. Yeah. <laughs> helps, but, you know, they had 36,000 in, in Wembley for the final. Um, and Forest genuinely have are a, a worldwide fan base, you know, success going back to, to Brian Clough and all the rest of it. They've, they've won the European Cup and I'm really, really pleased to see this team back in the Premier League and especially with Steve Cooper. Like, I feel like this team can actually make a mark in the Premier League too. I don't feel like Huddersfield would have gone back down. I'm sorry, but they would. Not in a forest. I don't know that necessarily they will. I think that he's shown already what he can do to move up the championship and, and that's one thing. Now he's got a move up a gear they've got to find the guys that can help them assert themselves in the Premier League and look they'll they'll manage to keep a couple of guys I reckon that that had joy with them on loan and uh but they'll then look to add the the extra pieces they've been promised investment this is such an exciting time to to be a Nottingham Forest fan um I read like a piece from from a supporter who had like been through all the years of um, misery really as he described it and like all the the near misses and the terrible misses and all the rest of it that comes in between and you do start to wonder and I mean look, I'm grateful for Fulham that we never really went through this like since we got to the Premier League when we've gone down hasn't been too long since we've gone back like obviously Fulham had a long time out um, before they actually got to the Premier League the first time around but um it's so hard to go back. But now, you know, Leeds are back there. Nottingham Forest are in there. I was looking at like who else was in the league the last time they were relegated. And it's like Wimbledon were there. Coventry were there. Um, Leeds, I think, finished fourth in the league the last time that Nottingham Forest were, were relegated from the Premier League. Cholton Athletic were relegated in the same season. So were Blackburn. Um, so a bit of Sheffield Wednesday, a like bit of Barnsley maybe, any of that? Yeah, Sheffield Wednesday were there. I don't think Barnsley were there at the time. Um, but yeah, it was it was it's a really nice like story. And like anyone that used to have the the sticker books or you've watched Premier League years, Nottingham Forest are a staple, and yeah. and it's just great to have them back. Yeah, no, it's a nice. It's a it's a, a lot of people have been saying that next year is a Premier League for the neutral. Um, yeah. It's one of those that a lot of people. It's a nostalgic Premier League, you know. As you say, it is. Yeah, Forest. it is. There's a lot in there. There's a nice derby there for between Leicester and Nottingham Forest as well. Yeah. Um, that's a good one to to have back. And yeah, there's just a lot going on. There's a lot. I'll of be derbies. honest. The, the playoff final wasn't a great watch. Like from a, it wasn't foot, a great watch, and there was some there were some very view. very questionable decisions. There were. Um, they didn't lucky. go Huddersfield's way. Um, but yes. Forest have been brilliant since Cooper's took over and they are they deserve their place back here although if I was a Huddersfield fan I'd be absolutely livid so hugs and hearts to Terriers fans um, yeah. because that, that was pretty tough to swallow even as a neutral yeah um, it was weird right I'm going to move on to my thing I love and I want to talk very briefly about last Wednesday's game between Roma and Feyenoord in the Europa Conference League oh, final. Because we haven't, talk, he got we his haven't talked trip. about this on the main pod. We talked about it on, on, on Patreon. Sam and I did a Ranks on the Road live from Albania. Um, but we went to the Conference League final and it was absolutely unbelievable. Uh, the atmosphere, one, Tirana is the most amazing city. Um, absolutely incredible, really cool place. Um, and two, just the whole atmosphere around the game. Now, we arrived on Wednesday morning. There were um, there was trouble on, on Tuesday night. We didn't see any of that um, because we were in Genoa on our way, taking the long way round. 
around to Albania. Um, but on the day itself, everything felt pretty smooth. Um, you know, the two fan bases were very separate. There was a big fan zone area in the middle of the city where it was meant to be kind of a joint fan zone. There was basically nobody in that. <laughs> it was really amusing. Was um, the only people in that were, were kind of locals and neutrals. You and Sam. It was just children playing head tennis. And some Leicester fans who thought they were making it and didn't. Um, it was, yeah, it's just an incredible trip and an incredible experience. The atmosphere in the stadium was unbelievable. It was raucous. Um, Fire Nord were all flares and flags and Roma were all choreos and, and tifos and songs all game. It was just incredible. The game itself was good, but you know, not not an instant classic, I would say. Um, Zaniolo's goal to win it was amazing. The celebrations in the Roma end afterwards were something else. Um, and yeah, just a really, really amazing trip. Uh, I was, you know, blessed enough to be at the first ever Europa League final 12 years ago um, when Fulham played Atleti in Hamburg and now got to go to the got to go to the first ever Europa Conference League final as well between Roma and final. And so I'm um, going to be trying to make this a little tradition, uh, go to the nice. Conference League finals. Sounds expensive. Roll. Well, it wasn't actually, was it? We no. <laughs> Genoa for about that's why six you went. pounds each. Yeah, that's why um, you went. Yeah. That was the whole point. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just an incredible experience. The, you know, two fan bases, two massive European clubs in Roma and Feyenoord, two fan bases who cared so deeply about this game, who, you know, were desperate for their team to win. And it just, you know, the, the, what I saw there showed me, and I know it's easy to say if you're there, but, you know, that whole, the whole stick of, nobody cares about the conference league is just nonsense to two fan bases who have seen, you know, so much in, in terms of football, in terms of trophies, in terms of European football, um, and who cared so deeply about this one. And I thought it was, you know, quite special to witness that and see, you know, how seriously people were taking it. We got to stand and walk basically to the, uh, to the stadium with the final ultras. We got to see the Roma bus arrive in the Roma end and everybody going mad for it. Uh, my favorite moment, I think perhaps of the whole day was when this car drove through after the Roma bus um, and someone was like, it's Totti, it's Totti. And everybody started singing Solo Un Capitano. And then someone else was like, it's not Totti. <laughs> so they all stopped and walked away straight away, <laughs> uh, which, which was great fun. Um, but yeah, no, just an amazing experience in Tirana. Um, and the Conference League final was absolutely amazing. Uh, such a, a brilliant trip. Um, and I loved every second of it. Was I jealous not to be there? No, not really. But I'm glad you had a good time. The Europa Conference final isn't really for me, but there you go. Yeah, each their own, dude. Different strokes. Different strokes <laughs> no, I, I, different you two were just so excited. I was like, I'm not sure I could have got as excited as you two were to be there. Like, and I'm too old and grouchy now. I'm too old. I'm past, <laughs> I'm past those years. Like, a, I've, I've got too much other stuff going on in my head. I'd be worrying about uh, phone calls about the kids coming in while I'm trying to watch the Roma, the Roma bus make its way past. <laughs> <laughs> different priorities these days yeah i'll it? say i'm saving my day my my football days out for fun for fulham next season yeah. so, yeah, so yeah, see, the difference is jack and i go live on albanian tv to talk about the game whereas dean accidentally goes live on instagram while he's getting the kids out of the bath blimey i actually did that last night i had a proper panic up like that was a fair play sam thank you for like calling me so far i knew i'd done it um it was really, because I was thinking like, I'm just going to talk about this now. I was like, maybe I should start, I'll start doing like a, like some transfer. I obviously don't use social that much because it annoys me a lot of the time, but I was like, okay, the transfer window is about to open. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't like Twitter. Like there's too much, there's too many horrible people there, but I do like Instagram. Maybe I should just start looking at like, I don't know, we've done transfers in 20 and stuff in the past. Maybe that would be a platform for it, whatever. So I was just like scrolling. Dylan was in the bath. So I'm just starting my thing. And then I was just scrolling through the stuff at the bottom where it says like reels or whatever else. And then I live and I was like, I presumed when you got to live, like you'd press record or something. So I just scrolled across to live and like a bang, like you're live. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. And then Dylan's like in the bath and I've got to keep an eye on him in case he like he's standing up. So he like might slip over and I'm like clicking across and I've managed to turn it off quite fast. But it stays there and it just looks like you're live. So I quickly flicked onto the ranks account. It just says Dean Jones live. And I'm like clicking on it. It's like half of my head and like the, the, the bathroom ceiling. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, this is so bad. Like, <laughs> is this even still, have I definitely turned this off? Um, 
And then, oh my God, do you know how hard it is to go in and find out how to delete a, like a live from the archive? They had to Google it and search it. It took me uh, almost 10 minutes to get a <laughs> stupid thing <laughs> off of Instagram. Um, so it did kind of annoy me, but not sure it annoyed me enough that I won't be doing that in the chat window. But Sam, honestly, was on the phone, was ringing my phone within seconds at the point I was trying to search it. So I was like, oh, I'm glad he's got my back here because like it, this could have been like far worse. And he could have, the whole world could have just been seeing Dylan in the bath or something and all me shouting, um, having an argument <laughs> with Taylor or who knows what could have gone at bath time. So, it was mad. It was mad. But um, yeah, hopefully see you all on Instagram soon if I can figure it out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One for- one for the future for Techno Dean. Um, right, let's move it onwards. So after the break, we're going to be doing our main ranking. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time for our main ranking. And Sam Tai, the floor is yours. Over to you. Yeah, this episode was was originally set to be a Ballon d'Or ranking. Um, but honestly, by Monday morning, my concern was that that topic wasn't going to be fresh enough and it wasn't going to be nuanced enough because let's be honest, guys, Karen Benzema has got this in the bag, hasn't he? His name is on this trophy. Karen Benzema is going to win the Ballon d'Or and nothing at the weekend really did anything to change that. So we sort of pivoted the topic a little bit and we're going to talk through the five MVPs of the top five league winners. It's an opportunity to talk about five absolutely massive and pivotal players and for a couple of them at least, there's some very interesting transfer lines kind of hanging around them as well. So I'll start in the Premier League and I'll start with Kevin De Bruyne of Manchester City or as he is more popularly known, Jack's newest nemesis. Isn't that right, Jack? Yeah. Yeah, you, that's right. You and Kev don't that see eye right. to eye on the big issues, huh? No, we've we've yeah we've fallen out. I mean, I've been such good friends for such a long time, um, and I obviously love watching him play. But he's decided to go on the warpath against the Nations League, and I just can't be standard for that, unfortunately. Yeah, well, well, his pe- yeah, you didn't like personal that. read Sam read Jack's Twitter. Yeah, and you'll see. Personal preferences of Kevin De Bruyne aside, he is still very good at football, and mm. I think of all the players, and of course the the caveats of this whole conversation through the five players is it's obviously a team game, a team effort, and Anyone who's won the league is counting on at least five or six incredibly important parts of the team. But Kevin De Bruyne has powered City through across the line in the end. And in 2022 alone, 12 goals, 12 assists. He scored four in a row in a run going from March to April, aka the business end of the season. And he scored four in one game against Wolves. And of course, it was his trademark assist for Gundogan's title winning goal against Villa on the last day. And I think as Cancelo and a few others kind of cooled off from the first half of the season, Kevin De Bruyne really came to life. And Pep Guardiola said in the second part of the league, he has been beyond perfect. Um, There's some quite cool stats here, courtesy of The Athletic and Sam Lee. Uh, Credit to them for for putting these together. But Kevin De Bruyne has just scored 19 goals in all competitions, which is his best ever tally at age 30. Nine of his 15 league goals either put City ahead or saw them equalise. Nine of them were with his left foot and he clocked the highest top speed of any player in the Champions League in the last six years. What? Bloody hell. Mm. What? Yeah. That's a weird one. I know. Very strange. That is niche. I mean, look. What was he chasing? (laughs) He was was chasing Jack after (laughs) he was trying to hit me up. He was trying to be like, I don't care about North Macedonia qualifying for the Euros. (laughs) So De De Bruyne has has literally and figuratively kind of powered City over the line here in the league. And I'm starting to ask the question, is this the best, is the best De Bruyne we have ever seen, which is quite the bar as a hit. But I think, I think the answer might be yes. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he has, he has got better. I mean, obviously now he's starting to have to deal with little niggles and, uh, problems that are, are leaving him out, but as long as he's fit for like the run in, you're good because that's when he that's when you really need him, and that's when he he hits his best form anyway. So if you can get by without him and, until like February, and then just like wrap him in cotton wool till then, and then just let him free because he is the best once it comes to that stage of the season. And this this ability he suddenly got to surge through the middle of the park is it's not new new to him, but he's doing it to an even better effect now that um, they signed him onto a, a two-year 
contract extension um, in 2021, and he's, so he's, he's tied up until 2025. He's he is the highest paid player at the club. I think Holland's pretty much on a par now, obviously with him going in there. But um, they just could not risk this guy getting even close to to letting his contract wear down. I mean, if you think back to earlier on in his career, and there was the Chelsea, there was Chelsea, obviously, and but Wolfsburg too. There were like big question marks about when he, he joined Man City and for the amount of money that he actually signed for. And I can remember pundits on Sky Sports seriously being like, is this guy really worth this money? I mean, it's one thing doing it at Wolfsburg, you know, but, you know, Man City should be setting their sights higher than this guy. Couldn't do it at Chelsea. And he like, it was the Chelsea thing that really, goodness. that if he hadn't have, yeah. quote, flopped, <laughs> Whatever, yeah. whatever you want to call it at Chelsea. Didn't that, play any game. If that hadn't happened, they wouldn't have been saying that. I hope not. I don't think, I I don't think so. So yeah, 56 million yeah. quid or whatever it was, plus a failed spell at Chelsea. It just, it just made it too easy for people that hadn't seen him to be like, what are you doing? And that was it, isn't it? Like how, many, how much had they seen of him playing at Wolfsburg? Like not a lot is the answer. Like I can safely say that. But yeah, 2015, 56 million pound. Um, now, one of the top five players on the planet, absolutely no doubt. Um, yeah, he, he is the guy, isn't he? Like, no matter what you say about Man City, they need De Bruyne. And there's certainly not a one-man team, whichever way you look at it. But you do wonder, like, you take that out for those big moments he does still step up for. If they're ever going to win the Champions League, he's got to be around. Yeah, I mean, also, he's he's kind of been... Uh, it's a really hard one with City because they are, like you say, they're, they're not a team built on necessarily, this sounds wrong. I was going to say they're not a team built on superstars. Of course they are. Um, but they're, they're kind of, there's no talent. He is the talismanic figure without necessarily being the like, oh, with the rest of these teams that we're going to talk about here, it's really obvious, isn't it? Yeah. Like, and it is with, it has been with De Bruyne this season, but it hasn't always been. It's been a team effort. And I wonder now, you know, Holland comes in, does he take some of the shine off? And do, in in regard to that, does that actually help KDB? Because he's like, I don't have to be the kind of leading light yeah. figure here. I can just do what I do quietly. I think he'll love it. I, I think he might well love it. But he also doesn't mind having to step forward and be and be that guy. And be, but he and, still will have to do yeah. that. You know, he will because yeah, Holland won't do that as much as one. people think he will. Yeah, yeah. Lots of players need you know to step up in order to go and win these things. Right. Yeah. Like we look at the Champions League final and the players that stepped up. Not only the midfield three. You know, Benzema was was brilliant as usual, but Vinicius you know has been brilliant all season. Carvajal, who who has been bagged basically by everyone steps up and delivers a performance of a lifetime you know mm. the Courtois delivers an absolute masterclass it's about lots of people stepping up at once and and I think that will help KDB as well yeah mm. Dean something you alluded yeah, to there sure. with the sort of like the very sort of powerful dribbling style he's got to and then Jack you talking about stepping forward in those big moments there's there's a couple of parallels there I won't be the first person to make this comparison but he does have obvious elements of Steven Gerrard in his prime the, yeah, so for sure. The, yeah. the power running through the middle and the big moments and the big goals is very, mm. he's very Steven Gerrard at different points. Yeah. Um, but I'll move us on. Yeah, that comparison doesn't get made that often, to be fair. Like, uh, yeah, Kaka. that is a good point. Yeah, bit, yeah, bit Gerrard, bit Kaka, those kind of guys. Yeah. Not bad to compare it to be compared not to those company, two. No, not, not at no. all. And anyway, I'm potentially also better than both. Can we say, can we say Ooh. that? I don't know. I don't know, mate. I don't know. I, don't know. I think we maybe can. I think we're maybe at that point in his career where we can start to make these kind of, like, I think you'd say that Kevin De Bruyne has got to be right up there now in terms of the best midfielders, you know, of the last century. Yeah. I wasn't I ready for this. I'm not prepared. No, I wasn't prepared I'm for this. I haven't got the stats in front of me. <laughs> All right, we'll come back. I'm to not, it. Yeah. We'll come back to it. He's I'm not still, putting my head of Gerard yet, but yeah, okay, but it's he's very, very close to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll move us on. We're going to talk about PSG now, winners of Liga, and of course, their MVP was none other than Kylian Mbappe. Um, it feels like the intrigue on him has, has moved well past his performances, and for the last month, has been mostly focused on who his employer will be and which kit he wears next season. And Dean, mm. any detail on the will he, won't he saga would be grand in a moment. But before that, just because 
it's been forgotten. Mean, Willy won't he? He won't. He won't. No, but <laughs> no, but it was a one month Willy won't he? Oh no, it's a six month, <laughs> six month Willy won't he? Um, but uh, before that, let's just take it back to the pitch for a second because I don't think anyone's actually spoken about Mbappe as a footballer for a while. Um, this has been a, a genuinely phenomenal campaign um, that's been lost along the way in different parts. He's actually been the most productive player in front of goal in Europe this season. Um, Lekeep ran the stats and it's a goal or an assist every 60 minutes for Kylian Mbappe this season across a whopping sample size of 4,000 minutes. So this is not a case of someone stepping off the bench and, and, and pumping their per 90 numbers. Mbappe has played most minutes and most games in these competitions and has scored or assisted every 60. It has been absolutely crazy. And to make it even better for PSG and, and to make those goals and assists even more important, He's delivered late on in games frequently, especially in the first half of the season, to rescue points for PSG that they either did not deserve to win or may actually just have deserved to outright lose. But Mbappe stepped forward. He's felt like a bit of a cheat code. And the fact that he feels like the cheat code in a team with Neymar and Messi is really saying something at this point. So mm. I've kind of, I've, I've no doubt that this, you know, he's being paid an absolutely astonishing amount. Um, you know, to stay in Paris and his explanation of staying home is true to a point, but obviously it's only half the picture. But I'm actually pretty pleased that he's going to stick around and try and crack this Champions League nut with PSG. I think that's a more interesting storyline for me than him becoming the latest Galactico and going and winning five more. I don't know. I'm not on that page at all. Like I wanted to see him push himself to the limits and I don't think by staying at PSG he's doing that. Madrid, let's be honest, they have not taken this news well. <laughs> They've not taken it well. I mean, they're throwing all sorts of accusations around at the moment and they're, this new agreement, they're saying, attacks the economic stability of European football. They're saying PSG mm. cannot afford to do this. And look, PSG made a loss of €225 million Euros in 2020-21. The year before that, they made a loss of about €125 million. Their wage bill... I think now is over 500 million euros. It's 100 million euros more than Man City play their squad. Um, the thing is, they won't actually breach FFP um, at this point. Um, and whatever it is they're paying Mbappe, some people say it's 40 million euros a season, some say it's 50 million. Um, they can afford it. The Qataris can afford it. I've got to give full credit to Kylian Mbappe's mum, who's played an absolute blinder over the past six months. She negotiated on both sides. She kept both clubs on their toes. Um, she just morphed into like Kia Jirabchian every time she walked into a meeting. Like no experience really, apart from being his mum and uh, very good, clearly negotiator. But in the football world, like, it's so, so rare that you don't have like a powerhouse agent. I mean, obviously he had other people around him working on this deal, but his mum genuinely played a big part in this and like was making both clubs believe that they were very close to a deal, but at the same time had them both very nervous. Like it's unbelievable business from her. Um, personally, I think he felt pressured to stay. I feel like there was so much noise in France. Like this became political too. This wasn't just in a football field. This was talked about on on every front. And I think he felt he was going to almost betray his country if he left them at this point. Betray Paris as they're on the verge of getting this Champions League that they want to go now, especially if they were paying him such a vast amount of money. Um I think he felt he couldn't really go at that point. And obviously he can say, look, I'm, I've got unfinished business. I've, I want to win this for Paris. I'm French, blah, blah, blah. But the fact is he was a Real Madrid fan as a kid. He's had his heart set on this for his entire life. It might not happen now. He might not end up at Real Madrid now. There's a possibility. Like we don't know what's going to happen over the next two years for Kylian Mbappe. Like for the next year, all the rumours go quiet. Probably in a year or so it'll pick up again. But... Who, what if he picks up an injury? What if he does lose form? What if Real Madrid signs somebody else? Yeah. It'd be a shame. It'll be a shame, to be honest, because he was that Galactico and there's now certainly a sour taste in, uh, in the mouth of at Madrid. But uh, yeah, let's see if, if this pays off for Kylian Mbappe. He needs to go and win that Champions League now. 
I've got to say, I'm kind of with Sam. Um, I, I tweeted, I was like, look, obviously the exorbitant amounts of money involved in this make it murky, but I, I feel like a lot of people are conveniently ignoring the whole hometown boy stays at club, turns down most prestigious club in world football in order to win the trophy missing from the cabinet with said club. Um, I think trying to take away from that is is disingenuous. Like I, I appreciate that the fact that the money in it does mean that it's not as simple as that. Um, but you know, if reports are to be believed, then Madrid's financial package was something similar to what PSG have offered. Um, and and if that's true, then there is some sort of I don't know. I feel like winning it with PSG and being that guy, he will be the guy forever. He'll be he'll be the club legend for the rest of his days, right? Whereas, you know, to go and do that at Real Madrid is very, mm. very difficult. Like, you know, ask Gareth Bale, won five trophies with Real Madrid, won five champs, sorry, five Champions League, not five trophies, five <laughs> Champions Leagues. And it's just widely booed by most of the fan mm. base on a regular basis. It's not easy to go and be a legend at Real Madrid. It might well be easier to go and be a legend at, in Paris at your hometown club as a Frenchman. I, I, I think there's something in it. I just don't think they win the Champions League. That's his biggest problem here. I just don't think they're going to do it. I think the competition is too tough. And I don't think PSG is showing that they are ready to actually go and do that. That's, that's going to be, for me, the, the biggest thing that he might look back on in two years' time is that it just proved a bridge too far. I like, thought, you know, fine, go if for Roma it. If don't want him, I'm, I bet you Barcelona will. Yeah. <laughs> right, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he's not going to be short of options. I'm not, I'm not worried for his future. He could also go, <laughs> he could go ring chasing later in his career. He could give it three years yeah. and it might not work. And he might be 90% of the player in three years than he is right now, but he could still go and find a home on, you know, a, a, a different team and kind of go ring chasing in a way um, at Barcelona, mm. at Man City, at Liverpool, or whatever it is. Um, I always talk about how Mbappe's peak might be shorter than we we predict because he's built on acceleration. Um, mm. But he'll <laughs> he'll still be an exceptional player at 27, even if he's just not quite as fast. So yeah, sure. he's got time. He's got time. Mm. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree. Um, right. I mean, does that move us on to Real Madrid, Sam? Um, yes, we can go to Real Madrid. Uh, we can go to Karen Benzema of Real Madrid, who, as we said at the top, his name is on that Ballon d'Or and this was supposed to be an episode all about the Ballon d'Or but Benzema made that super boring because he's so damn good. Um, we talked about Mbappe's productivity, goal or assist every 60. Benzema is every 68. So not far off and has to be said in a more difficult league as well. He's just mm-hmm. put together just a gargantuan season. 27 goals and 12 assists in 31 La Liga starts. 15 goals in 12 Champions League games, back-to-back knockout round hat-tricks against PSG and Chelsea, linking up the play, seven up Vinicius, scoring impossible headers. I don't have a lot to say about Benzema other than he's obviously a wizard. Um, He's won the Liga again, he's won the Champions League again, and that Ballon d'Or is 99% loaded in my opinion. Yeah, 99% loaded I think it's higher than that it's 99.9% loaded like you just see like players coming out and be like well obviously he's going to win it yeah Messi, like, Messi's just gone well there can be no doubt this year yeah yeah it's, like, it's just really really sensible right obviously yeah. the players have to and, and it's French, a French award going to a French player um, and he won the Nations League don't forget that that's why you're not going to win the, the Ballon d'Or KDB yeah, um, it's, it's your failure to win the Nations League that's let you down here. Um, no wonder he's so against the tournament. Um, yeah. Well, what a season it's been though, Dean. Uh, it's been unbelievable. And do you know the thing about Benzema? He's like, he's been such a selfless player throughout his career in Madrid. And, and it's what's helped him be a survivor mm. at Real Madrid because that is what he's been. He has survived. He's been talked about being replaced umpteen times um but throughout it all throughout being overshadowed by Ronaldo by the um competition with Messi by you know the fact that you know should should they sign Lewandowski should replace him should they sign Harry Kane whatever it was Benzema was always focused on just making sure that he was playing a big part in the team at, at Madrid and whatever criticism came his way he still found ways to come through dry patches as a goal scorer. And I think that 
that's what for me has been so so impressive about this season is that it's the season when Ronaldo and Messi are out of the way. It's the time when there is no conversation about somebody coming to replace him. And he has absolutely smashed it. Like he's he's been unbelievable and you could put faith in him every single game. This guy will score you a goal. If you're even in the last two minutes thinking Benzema will score you a goal. I said it in one of the one of the Champions League games when Madrid were behind. I was like, but this doesn't make any sense. Benzema hasn't scored yet. Like they have to, they, they have to play. Like obviously he didn't score in the final, but what well, he did, it was just bizarrely ruled out for offside. I'm still, still need to look that one up. Um, the rules say it was but, offside, yeah. Dino. Sorry, <laughs> the rules sorry. somewhere. Sorry. Deep down say it was offside. Um, but, you know, Benzema, he's got power, he's got skill. He's got that mindset of being just a pure winner and like his finishing ability is just out of this world. The way that he can stay composed to bend one in from the edge of the box, to to find space to get a little header, to to get in front of his defence, whatever it is, man. He's just different class. He's been so good to watch this season. Yeah, I, I think this is it, isn't it? How many, how many more superlatives can you use for... Karen Benzema, look, I think Angelotti said it this week. He was just like, I've run out of words. You know, we and, and I think we talk about quite a lot about the fact that Real Madrid are hardwired around Benzema and have been for, you know, some time. Um, and they asked this to Angelotti, basically, not in the same phrases, but he said, you know, you're so dependent on him. And he's like, yeah, but we're, we're cool being dependent on Benzema because it's Benzema. He said he's so dependable. <laughs> he always turns up. Um, and that's kind of where we're at, right? That's the point we've got to. Yeah, totally that. Yeah. And as I say, like you go, I think it's only really when you reflect on his entire time at Madrid that you can really appreciate this season too. And you look at it like all, all you talk about now with, with him is his goals because ultimately he's scored so many of them this season. But two, like his assists, he's got a lot of them. Like just looking here, like. La Liga, 415 games, 219 goals, 116 assists as well, though. And a lot of that goes back to those times when there were question marks about him and he was just making sure that he was playing a role in that team. So, yeah, as you say, there there aren't really the superlatives for this guy anymore because we've used them all. But just if you get a chance to look back through his career and some of the hard years he's had, just think of the way that he came through them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt whatsoever that Karen Benzema is going to win that Ballon d'Or and that he's a worthy winner of it. Um, Sam, with that, might be time to shift us on from Real Madrid. Okay, let's go to AC Milan, uh, where I have chosen Rafael Leal as the MVP of the season. Mm -hmm. There were four or five here, uh, four or five really important performers, but Leal kind of came. He's the superstar, He he came through in the clutch. And I... I tell you what, he was probably fuming watching Vinicius Junior bag the winning goal in the Champions League final because <laughs> that probably solidified Vinny as the most improved player of the season with that perfect ending. And up until that point, I couldn't really figure out between Rafa Leal and Vinicius Junior as to who had made the most progress. But, you know, I think he might have lost out that made-up crown. Um, but he's still improved <laughs> tenfold since August. And I think we're at the point where many people are are recognising Leal as one of the elite or close to elite difference makers. Uh, 14 goals this season from a purely left-wing role. Good return. Nine assists. Very healthy. More than that, though, he's just completely and utterly unpredictable. A complete X-factor with the ball at his feet. And he is one of the best watches in world football right now. The agility, the burst, the big touch into space, which he then catches up with and, and then produces sort of three, four little touches to go around another one. You know, the ability to beat a man in so many different ways, change direction, the balance. It's incredible. And I think over the course of the season, you get a really good picture for his development because, okay, he's he's been good all season, but he's become particularly important later on. And this is exemplified by the fact that as Milan started to grind out this title, they became more and more defensively sound and hard to beat knowing that if they just gave the ball to Rafa Leao like five times, he would probably run half the pitch and score with one of those. And it's those single moments in games that they needed him to produce to win. And he did. They kept a a ton of clean sheets. And from mid-April, Rafa Leao did the following. Scored the opening goal against Genoa, assisted the equaliser against Lazio, scored the only goal of the game late against Fiorentina, two assists against Hellas Verona, 
opening goal against Atalanta and two assists against Sassuolo on the final day. We're talking about a De Bruyne-esque pivotal end to the season in an Mbappe-esque style. I thought it was absolutely remarkable. He's And did you see a rapper has uh, produced a song about him, which means that you have officially made it. That is it. That is the. the was mark. it Clint Dempsey? <laughs> it was an Italian, <laughs> an Italian rapper, um, and the lyrics are too strong like Leal, dribbles and guards like Leal, six seconds like Leal, goal and surf like Leal. That's the chorus. So six seconds. Obviously, he scored a goal in six seconds this season, um, which was which feels yeah, like feels like one, a yeah. long time ago. But it's a reference to that, and it's, it has been a genuinely iconic campaign for Milan and for Leal, and, and he's had a song to commemorate that. Well done. Mm. Yeah, that is it. You are right in that. That is that is the big um, the big marker. Once you've um, once you've made a song written about you, you're it's it's on. Yeah. Is how I would say yeah. it's on. <laughs> um, but look, it's been like that kind of change, and, and look, we saw it in Vinicius as well. And I'm glad you brought him up because that kind of move from uh, I think Liao had it in a very similar fashion, and be like, yes, those moments of absolute electricity to to burn a player to to be able to get round and get himself into a position, and then the kind of lack of I would say composure probably to to finish them off was something that both of them had in common, and and both of them have dealt with in various ways. But Liao is now just an absolute you know, all round forward coming in off that left-hand side. Obviously I still think his future is probably as a number nine, um, but he has just become a nightmare to defend against in pretty much every capacity. And if you do give him opportunities, he will punish you. That is nuts compared to where he was 12, 18 months ago. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's with, with a player like Leal, when it's, when the end product isn't there and when the composure isn't there and it, it can be quite easy to look at those kind of, waving legs and waving arms and and start to think that actually he's just a bit chaotic and a bit too out of control. But sometimes looks can be deceiving and footballers can be in control when they don't necessarily appear to be. And I think Leal was was a good example of that. Even when the end product wasn't flowing, he was kind of knew what he was going to do. Um, it's just taken him a year or so to kind of put that into practice. And and now like some of the some of the stuff he does to go round players like no one else really in football is capable of doing what he does. He's a a very different one v one player to someone like Vinicius who is, you know, all all pretty touches and technique and deception. Leal can just knock the ball five yards, somehow catch up to it and be past a player. And he dribbles and moves in a way that I don't think I can identify in any other player in football at the moment. And that's why I like those lyrics when they say uh, goal and surf like Leal, because it does look a bit like he's, <laughs> he sort of surfs past players. It's, re- yeah. it's really mm-hmm. weird, but it's so good to watch. He's wicked. I honestly didn't think he'd get to this level. I had major reservations about whether he could, you could, you always saw flashes of it when he was, you know, two years ago, whatever. I just didn't think he could do it consistently and produce big moments and if you could rely on him. But, you know, he's he's come through this season and obviously, like now, we're starting to see him linked to other clubs. He's been linked with Real Madrid, actually. Yeah. Maldini has confirmed he won't leave Milan unless a club triggers his release clause. Um, it's £127 million. So there you go, Madrid. If you really want Rafael Leal, there you go. They say we consider him untouchable. I would say £127 million. He will be untouchable and nobody will meet that. But um, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a talent. And I don't think Milan will be his last stop, but for now, he definitely shouldn't leave. Yeah, it does feel like the right place for him to thrive at the moment. I think that one's that one's easy enough. He just feels like he's such a joy to watch, isn't he? I think this is maybe part of it. Like you watch him go and you're like, it's not, as you say, Sam, it's not a joy to watch in, you know, the technicalities are perfect. It's just you like, I know he's going to make something happen. He's so dynamic. Um, and, and the way that he sort of drops into spaces to receive and then goes, right, I'm having you. And he looks at a defender, he squares him up, he goes, toast, having you, <laughs> see you later. Um, and, and I just love watching him play football. He's been so, so crucial in this run in and, you know, a, a very much deserved title for, for Rafa Leal. So yeah, fantastic. Um, which leaves us with one, doesn't it? It does. It leaves us with Robert Lewandowski of Bayern Munich. Now, if we're talking straight MVPs of the league, we're talking Chris Christopher and Kunku, but we are discussing players who have powered their teams to the title. And of course, Bayern won the title once again. It was 35 Bundesliga goals for Lewandowski this season. 
poor season for him. Stepped down from last year where he scored 41. Um, I, I kid. It's still more than a goal uh, per game. Remember, there's only 34 league games in a Bundesliga season, so 35 in 34. And he got 13 in the Champions League too, and he got two in the Super Cup, which brings him to a lovely round grand total of 50 goals and six assists. So it's his second best ever tally in the league, 41 last year, obviously, and it was 34 the year before that. So for the last three years, he has consistently scored more goals than he has played league games. I was just (laughs) looking at this at Dino, and I just wondered what kind of effect must he have on Bundesliga fantasy football? Oh, my days. you, You can't not have him, can you? Is that probably a waste of time? Like they should just take one hundred percent of owners have ownership. <laughs> you, they should just take him out of the game because it actually <laughs> would ruin it. It actually ruins the point. He's he's in your team and he's captain. Like no doubt about what it. What would you price him at um, if he was in the Premier League he, game? Well, he would have to be like fourteen million pounds, which is like unheard of. Like. I think Kane's like 12.5, 13. Like that's normally the limit that's set, like 13. But if if he were already been in that league scoring 40 goals a season, every single season for like seven years, you've got to be above that. You've got to be like 14 million. You'd actually have to price him out so it's not worth having him. Mm. That's what I would do if I was in charge of that mil. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, Lewandowski is 20 million euros. He's a fifth or you of your entire buy. budget, and, yeah. Oh, yeah, and all the other players are just like eights and nines. Yeah, yeah. yeah fair <laughs> enough. Well, look, nothing new to add on him, really. He's unreal. He's a complete forward. But the big story is that he appears to be desperate to leave Munich. And he's really starting to apply that public pressure to get himself out of there. And Dean, I'll throw immediately to you, who will surely know more about this than I will. Well, they've upset him. Like um, there were quotes um, sourced this week that said, you know, with the contract offer, with their pursuit of Haaland, which they believe did happen, they've kind of disrespected Lewandowski. And while he's obviously really enjoyed most of his time at Bayern, he doesn't feel particularly happy. And like as a player, he wants to move on, but as a person, he also wants to move on from Bayern. At this point, a three-year contract's been on the table for over a month now from Barcelona. Bayern were hoping this moment would pass. It just hasn't. We're looking now at a deal worth about 30 million euros to get him from Bayern to Barcelona if this can happen. At 33, it's probably a big moment and he can't really let it pass by. If he's ever going to leave, it's got to be now. He's just returned from a holiday in, in France and as soon as he came back, he was like, my story at Bayern's over. Don't see anywhere I can continue playing at this club again. And then like, look, two weeks ago, maybe Oliver Kahn is obviously in charge of these, of um, the club overall at Bayern. He's, he said, look, he has a contract. He will fulfill it. Um, it's all become a bit tit for tat, to be honest. Um, they have been good for each other overall. And I hope that this doesn't, isn't looked back on hyster- historically as like a really bad vibe between Lewandowski and the club but ultimately Lewandowski said I I don't want to play there anymore Uh, Bayern are a serious club and I don't think they will keep me just because they can obviously he is still under contract I enjoyed that that was uh, misquoted as Bayern are an unserious club mistranslated and widely spread Bayern are not a serious club and we're like I don't think I heard the word not or no Um, (laughs) yeah anyway he said yeah transfer is the best solution um Oliver Kahn now saying, I can't tell you why Robert chose this path. Public statements like that don't get you anywhere. He became the world player of the year here twice in a row. He should know what he has at Bayern. Appreciation is not a one-way street. But like, as I said, like for Lewandowski, he's also like, well, then give me that massive contract. Or like, don't go after Haaland. Like, I don't know. There's just stuff I feel that's happening in the background. We'll, fit, we'll hear the full story once this all plays out properly. Um, it does feel like it could become messy, um, but I would really, really like to see Lewandowski outside of Bundesliga, so I'm all for it. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting next step now, Sam. Obviously, Barcelona have been kind of mooted around this for a little while. Um, if he was to go to Barcelona, that's a very, very, very exciting front line that Aubameyang... <laughs> Uh, Aubameyang, Ansu Fati, Lewandowski, Memphis, Ferran, Gavi's been playing there a little bit. We don't know what's going to happen with Adama Traore. There's a lot of talent here. 
There is, yeah, there really is. I mean, he's, he's spent the last, what, is it eight years or so uh, at Bayern Munich? It's been a, a long old stint and obviously with Dortmund before that. So it's a decade or more in the Bundesliga. I'm kind of with Dean in that I'd like to see him move on and try himself in a different league. I'm, I'm not saying he needs to prove himself. That'd be ridiculous. Um, he's been at different times over the last five years, the best striker in world football. I'm not doubting his- Best player in world best football. Best player for one year in particular. I'm not doubting his pedigree there. Um but there's a part of me that is also, and I apologise to Bayern Munich fans here, but um, Jack, I've just noticed you're sat wearing a Bayern Munich shirt. Um, I, um, I apologise to the fans here, but like, you know, I, I strongly believe that Bayern's dominance over the league is intrinsically linked to the everlasting brilliance of three or four players. One of them is Lewandowski, another is Manuel Neuer, another is uh, Thomas Muller, and the other one might be Joshua Kimmich actually as a fourth. But as these pieces... Who I have on the back of this shirt. For oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, as those pieces begin to wane or become removed, it does open up a very interesting question as to whether or not the Bundesliga can be a little bit more competitive at the top. And I think if you if you lose Lewandowski and you're at this stage with Erling Haaland off the market, like Bayern will be panicking and they will probably do something they don't want to do, like get into a bidding war, like overpaying for a... a Darwin Nunez or something like that they'll probably regret not getting involved in January for a Dusan Vlavic like there's all sorts of question marks that get opened up this wasn't the point of bringing him up but I'm kind of kind of kind of desperate for him to leave because I think it's so interesting for the landscape of football yeah I I completely agree it's not a I want him to leave it's a this could be incredibly interesting Mm. and especially if you know the reports to be to believe that Bayern are are looking at getting Sadio Mane out of Liverpool and that he's open to the idea of leaving trying to switch from a formation or a a system that has basically you know revolved around Robert Lewandowski being the main man for a while to something that's a little bit different with the idea of of Mane coming in there. That would be a, a very different leading man. Well, the good, um, the good news is that Nagelsmann hates strikers. Remember he had like eight at Leipzig and didn't use any and just kept playing yeah. like Olmo and Kunku up front. Um, so ultimately, if Bayern lose a, um, a number nine, if they have Nagelsmann as manager, apparently it doesn't really matter. No, yeah. No, I mean, no. there was reading today about it and um, saying obviously like, this is where the problem now comes if Lewandowski does go because they didn't get Haaland. Um, they were linked with Kerry Madiemi, like he's gone to Dortmund. Um, Patrick Schick was always talked about as being pretty good fit for Bayern. Um, he's just signed a new contract at, at Bayer Leverkusen. So that with no release that. clause. Mm. Um, oh, really? Is there no release clause in that? Um, I guess like Nkunku is a guy that they would have to consider as, you know, Sadio Mane too. Um, Sasha Kleizic is somebody that they've been linked with too. Obviously, he's a different type of forward to, to Mane or Nkunku. But, and Harry Kane is one that was spoken about like really seriously a couple of years ago. Like when Lewandowski last considered leaving, um, I think he was probably linked with Real Madrid at the time. But um, it was like, can we get Harry Kane? Can we get Harry Kane? And, and it didn't happen. But Kane does probably feel like a really good fit. It's not going to happen. But um, I think if the it, if Tottenham sold Kane, Antonio Conte would walk. Oh, he hundred percent would. Yeah, it's not going to happen at all. And Bayern also aren't going to spend a hundred and thirty odd million yeah. on Harry Kane. But um, yeah, dilemma there. So very interesting. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Um, and that brings to an end our five players who have powered their teams to the titles. I'm not necessarily a ranking this week, but very much. It was um, fun to watch, wasn't it? Those five, they've been, they've been good they've been fun great. to watch this season. They've been great. I've uh, I've enjoyed watching them. So it's been, yeah. it's been fun. And it's been fun talking about them and what comes next for some of them as well. So um, all good. Right. That concludes our main segment. After the break, we're going to have Mel of the Week and the gibberish rankings. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It is part three and it's time for everybody's favourite part of the week. Dean Jones. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is St. Etienne fans. It's absolute carnage. Like, it probably goes beyond melonish. Yeah, but I think it might. It's a poison. I've got, it. it's a poison I've got to send. I've got to send really, really bad vibes over to Saint Etienne today. Um, it's not very saint-like, was it? No, look, <laughs> they were. So, if you somehow missed this, Saint Etienne were relegated from Liga after losing a playoff against Auxerre in a penalty shootout, and it ends an eighteen-year stay in the top flight. 
Um, look, this is a club who are 10 times French champions. And for Auxerre, you know, they've been outside the top flight for 10 years, I think. So this this was a, a bad day and it was a, a bad moment in their season. But well, what followed was absolutely ludicrous. So we've seen a lot of pitch invasions in England this season, but certainly not on this scale. The fans ran on hurling flares at the main sand and towards the players' tunnel. Like there was basically a fire outside the tunnel. Like it was like fireworks being shot across the pitch into the stand. Um, They weren't hassling the players. Like it must have been genuinely terrifying. Like I saw like some of the players managed to get off um, before they all descended on them, but quite a few didn't too. And I can't really imagine what it must have been like inside that stadium, how scary it would have been. Um, you know, obviously like it's been a, it's been a pretty bad season for crowd behavior. Like in France, in England, like just generally we saw it at the Euros was bad. The Champions League final of the day was the scenes, not necessarily the fans behaving badly, but the policing and the organization around that event. Europa League too. Absolute chaos. Jack and I got lucky. We went to the only UEFA final in the last year that didn't, um, uh, didn't have major issues in the three hours before kickoff. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it was fine in Albania. Honestly, I don't know if this is a, a post-lockdown thing. Or oh, what. lockdown has sent us all utterly loopy, mate. It hundred percent people have gone mad. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think we can start to excuse it. Yeah, I don't think you should excuse it. No, exactly. Like people can't say allow their behaviour to deteriorate like this. Like also, I mean, it's, it's worth pointing out that you know, from from all accounts that are coming out, the the. <laughs> the issues at the Champions League final appear to have been heavy-handing policing, mm. you know, as opposed to anything else. Yeah, that's what um, I said, yeah. It's, it's but, not the no, necessarily there. But, but it, it is quite... There's quite a lot of, like, weird things going on in football. Weird. This, like, and this one was this one was pretty horrible. Um, like, obviously, there was your man headbutting Billy Sharp, um, the Nottingham Forest fan who was then given a prison sentence. There was you know, yeah. all sorts of... You know, there was Patrick Vieira having that altercation with the Everton yeah. fan. It just feels like it's quite... Um, it's quite prevalent at the moment. And look, the EFL chair yesterday sent an open letter to supporters basically being like, you know, it's a reminder that pitch invasions are not the norm. Like yeah. they are, they are not, they're not acceptable. Um, no. you know, obviously there are occasional, I don't, I don't want to pretend that pitch invasions can never be okay. Right. Because there are some points where pitch invasions. Yeah, like we had up. very, very pleasant pitch invasions at Fulham twice at the end of the season. And it the was second fine. one, although even second then, one was a bit unnecessary. One, I thought I was like, you go one, you get one. The, to go on again, I thought was a bit like, all right, we're just kind of. It was a bit, but I mean, I, I went on again, and it was mainly one because I had my eleven-year-old nephew with it, me, and he'd missed the first one. He was very excited, but secondly, like one seven nil, we won the league. Mitrovic broke a record. Like it, it was a, it was a much better day, I think, than most people expected it end up being. And um, I think, I think you do have to bet. I think you have to stop it. I like. As much fun well, as I, think as I thought it, it was, it's you have gonna... to bring in points deductions and heavy point deductions so that like, it wouldn't have probably stopped the St. Etienne one. But across the the rest of the ones that we saw that were unnecessary, um, like well, the Because otherwise we're going to end up having nets in front of grounds exactly. again. And, like, and honestly, put in a 10-point deduction. If, if, you all, if, you go on the, if there's a pitch invasion, your team will be deducted 10 points. That has a major impact on your team's season and you have messed it up for them. So it has to be something of that severity for me that's going to actually make supporters think twice. Yeah, because there was, there was well, there were things about this week about um, the fact that they were going like, oh, we're putting financial penalties. I'm like, that will not that will not bother people. No, it would just be like it's a club. It's a club's yeah. got loads of money. Unless you're taking it off the fans, like we've got all your accounts from where you bought these tickets, and we're taking a thousand pound out of your bank accounts tomorrow morning. You wouldn't be able to. You wouldn't be able to identify. <laughs> I that. know. I'm joking. Um, but like this is it. It was. It was. It was really grim. These scenes. Um, and look, you can understand the anger. You can understand the disappointment with how San Etienne have played this season because it has been dreadful. Um, but I just, uh, I don't know. The thing that kind of really stuck in my jaw with this one was the fact that at the same time as this was going on, the French authorities were bleating about the idea that hooliganism was only specific to certain teams. Um, and it just really jarred with me. That, yeah. yeah I was, it was like, you know, especially with the problems that French football has had this season um, with, with crowd disturbances, it's almost like, you know, sort out, 
sort out your own forest first before you start getting involved in other people's. Like, you know, you've, yeah. you've got to take, take the bushes out of your own eyes. I think it's, sure. it's the biblical phrase. But um, yeah, it just it just feels like a lot of, oh, we can just blame things and this will go away. Um, and it's a horrible it's a horrible state of affairs for everyone. So, um, yeah, okay. yeah, quite, quite, quite a tough melon to, to stomach, but it is the one. Sight, the um, sight of that flare being thrown down the, t- the player's tunnel was yeah. so shocking. I could sca- I could unreal, scarcely believe it? what I'd seen. It was-, it was unreal. Like I have to say, like the behaviour in France particularly has been madness this season. It seems like genuinely it must be quite scary to go to quite a few of the games there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's change the tone up. That's the gibberish alarm. <laughs> yeah, let's go a bit more light-hearted, shall we? To finish. Um, the last week or so of my life, I spent almost entirely with Jack Collins. Uh, we, You're ranking Jack Collins. We, oh, no. we took five flights together from Saturday through to uh, Friday or Thursday. Uh, London to Lisbon, back to Genoa, to Albania and back. And then we covered a Champions League final live in the studio. I've spent a lot of time with this man over the years, but this was another level entirely. And I thought I would just combine all of that into a definitive list of things Jack always does, and this is this is a this is a travel edition <laughs> more more than anything. But a number like it's like a little version for uh, you getting like a handbag, yeah, like a little yeah. little uh, deodorant. This stuff. is one hundred milliliters or less. Uh, <laughs> three at number three, Jack tries to buy cologne at every single airport that he visits, and it is the mm. exact same specific bottle of cologne. Mm. Can you remind me which one it is? Mm. It's like a Tommy. Um, it's it's only it's, it's meant to be like fifty quid, and it's always available for ten pound in airports. Well, what is Except it? It's like a Tommy Hilfiger. Uh, right. Except that you never find it. <laughs> so I've I've been with you in many 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 airports, and you never find it. But then we went through Genoa Airport last week, and you turned to your left, and I believe you found it. But then I think mm. right next to it was an even better deal. Yeah, it and was. you got that instead. I've got a diesel fuel for life so, for the same price. I was like, yeah. So we spent the last four years going to airports with me and looking for this bottle of Tommy. I do have never... four bottles. Of... I have four bottles of this Tommy stuff. <laughs> He's never found it while I've been with him. And he finally finds it. And literally the box to its right is a different one. He goes, I want that instead. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> it's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's a reasonable complaint. Big up Genoa Airport for finally making my man happy. Anyway, number two, Jack dismisses dozens of restaurants before landing on one that he likes. Now, this this comes in two forms. First of all, when we're Googling restaurants to go through, he will go through establishment after establishment, taking a very long time to pick one, despite all of them being really, really nice. Or if we're out on the street and we're searching for stuff and having claimed he's hungry, he just walks past like 10 for like basically no reason whatsoever. I think he just refuses to accept that the first one he might find is the one. And I, I think ultimately he's picky. And that's not really a criticism. Jack, you want to eat a nice meal at a nice place. I can't really, I yeah. can't really fault that. But it is a major philosophical difference between you and I here. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I want to look at them all and then pick one yeah. rather than just stop. Yeah. Like I'll often go, I'll often circle back to the first one I got to. <laughs> um, but it, I want to have checked out the, op, the you know, the other options first yeah. because you, you know, you, you don't want to miss out on something good that's around the corner. Oh, absolutely. I get it. I mean, I just go on Google and click the first one with four stars or more and go, yup, that's the one for me. Mm. Uh, as, but, but what it does, but when I'm hungry and Jack is like, mm, I don't know. Mm, this is a, this mm. is a big, philosophical difference between us you are hungry a lot more than me i'm like i'm just not ever really yeah, that you can hungry get, you, t- you can get by yeah. yeah yeah even in porto you were like i was like oh i'm probably getting something you're like oh, i think i'll just leave it like we only ate a couple of hours ago yeah. and i was like yeah but we're now going to a game where they probably won't have food and we might not eat again for another seven hours yeah. or something and like Jack, that like, oh, that's like, okay on thursday yeah, I'll have, couple, I'll have a couple of beers. I'll be happy. That's fine. Yeah, you're like that. And I'm like, uh, yeah. you sure you just don't want one of these toasties? And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You toast. have to convince him to eat. I mean, look, this is it, isn't it? Ultimately, it's a matter of urgency versus a, a total lack of urgency, and that's where that's where the, the deliberating comes from. I live my life by a relative lack of urgency. I'm quite yeah. a I'm quite a manana person. Yeah, fair enough. All right, at, yeah, and yeah. at number one, Jack talks to everyone. 
and I mean <laughs> just about everyone. Not a soul yeah. goes past without being chatted to. And look, I'm not complaining about having a friend who's nice and warm <laughs> and pleasant to people. That is not a problem. And 80% of the time, you either make friends or you have a pleasant chat. And as CBS's Luis Miguel Eshagaray tweeted just yesterday, a stranger is just a friend you've never met. So if you were looking for the Peruvian Jack Collins, there he is, follow him on Twitter. <laughs> the downside to this is that 20% of the time, the people that Jack smiles at and greets are total weirdos. And I end up as like collateral damage trapped in conversations with people who are just obviously super weird. And these conversations actually go on for much longer than they should because Jack is so kind and so nice that he just carries on talking to them. I'll give you a couple of examples this week. A very scatty, strange woman boarding the flight to Genoa who told us a very detailed story on the tarmac waiting to board the plane about how she rescued a daddy long legs while she was showering. Didn't need any of that. Then there was the world's most boring man boarding in the boarding queue from Lisbon to London, who worked with motorbikes, didn't like football, and spent five minutes telling us that he didn't really understand influences because you weren't really sure what you were getting. I guess ultimately you have to take the rough with the smooth um, <laughs> when it comes to being friends with Jack, and it's mostly smooth. But um, I got caught. <laughs> I got caught. <laughs> he got caught with the boring man, really bad. <laughs> and and if you just could just... He was just explaining to Sam about how he'd once gone to a box at Wolverhampton Wanderers, but he hadn't watched any of the game for like approximately 10 minutes. It was <laughs> really, really... <laughs> and then Jack kept going, oh, right, that sounds interesting. And I'm like, no, he's in sharp! <laughs> it's just one of those, it's just one of those things. Rough with the smooth, but it's 99% smooth. Uh, yeah, he does. That. He does definitely do that a lot. He will talk to anyone. It is an endearing trait, but it can be annoying if you want to just go <laughs> trying to do something. <laughs> <laughs> does, that, does that annoy Lucy? Is that is that a trait that you've been picked up on before? Uh, no, Lucy's quite good. Similarly, to be fair, she also likes talking to random. So That's we, we get on quite well there in that in that regard. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, she's the one she would absolutely agree with you on is is the the food one though. Um, she's always like, I'm really hungry. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but like we could just eat in like in a couple of hours. And she's like, no, no, I need to eat now. Um, so that's where we actually really do differ. But on talking to people, we're okay. Mm. Um, right, on that bombshell, I think we're going to call this a day. Um, now I've been interrogated. <laughs> um, and, and, and there's a phrase in one of the, I think it's, it's Handel's Messiah, um, where the thing goes, you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Um, I feel I feel a bit like <laughs> I that. don't think you've been um, found wanting. <laughs> Alas. Um, right. So that's there for me to do is say thank you very much to Sam Tsai. Cheers, buddy. Thank you very much to Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. Good luck next week, boys. I'm going on yeah, holiday. You're off, mate. So yeah, next you're week off. is going to be the two of you. I, I can't wait to be listening on a beach in Rhodes. Um, oh, first mate. long holiday in a while. So <laughs> Have a good um, one, man. We're going to enjoy that. Um, thank you all, as ever, for listening, Rank Squad. We appreciate you. Uh, these two will see you next week. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Enjoy a little break from the football season before we get underway again. Uh, I imagine there's plenty of transfers to tide you through. Um, can't wait for this summer and then the season to begin again take it easy peace